Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this afternoon and uh, has been with me all morning, my good friend and co-host, Lee Cantor. How are you holding up over there, man? I am doing great. I'm excited. This is the interview of the day, I was told. I, I'm sure you're right. We have with us President and CEO, Graham Poobah, with Comedy Sports, Sports with a Z, Chicago. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Matt Oh, well, how you doing, man? Good, Stone. Thanks for having me. So comedy sports. Yeah. What are you guys doing for folks? Well, comedy sports is the uh, only all-ages improv theater in Chicago, and so you may be wondering why I'm <laughs> on a learning show. Uh, but improv actually is a training tool. So not only do we train improvisers how to be quick-witted on stage, but we help businesses be more nimble in their operations, and we help them uh, turn their teams into workplace ensembles. Now, is your background in training or in comedy? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the two kind of came together for me. I uh, was a an actor uh, out in Pennsylvania and started teaching there, started teaching people how to uh, do uh, theater. And uh, at some point, I moved over to Chicago, got bit by the improv bug, started doing this. That was uh, back in 2000. And uh, around the same time, I was also teaching the same skills uh, in business. Now, I will say that from coming to CCASTD, that's when I started learning the lingo of training and started kind of uh, normalizing my credentials, if you will. But, you know, at the, they kind of both of them were together for me through my whole career. So now when you were being an actor, mm -hmm. you were teaching acting because you weren't acting or were you acting? Like when you started your wow, career. Wow, that's really meta. Oh, was that too meta? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to scare you. Wow, dude. That's so huge. Um, this is after lunch. You have to understand. <laughs> Uh, I was I was acting on stage at night doing things like Shakespeare and Harold Pinter and stuff like that. And then uh, on the weekends, I was teaching, um, you know, kids or adults how to improvise. Mm -hmm. So your acting was always an improvisation? No, you know, my acting was real traditional. And it wasn't until I came out to Chicago that I kind of saw everything that was to experience with improv. You know, there's kind of like a general thought of improv that it's to, to create something else. Like you use improv to create a sketch or to create a show or, to, you know, it's derivative. Mm -hmm. But when you get to Chicago, that's where you really start to experience that improv is an art form in itself. So that's kind of where my eyes were open when I got here. And I've been doing it ever since. Now, improv, uh, contrary to a lot of people's uh, probably preconceived notion, isn't necessarily without structure, rigor, discipline. There's some... It's not just throw caution to the wind and just babble a bunch of stuff. There are some, <laughs> there's there's technique, there's strategy, there's tactic. Yeah, Can depending you... on the show you see. Okay. No, I, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's right? that's why we teach it in business because it's about strategy uh, in the moment. It's executing in the moment. So what we're teaching is a system. In fact, uh, uh, there's a friend of mine who calls it a highly refined system for uh, I, you know accepting and responding. Uh, so. You know, we use it to teach soft skills, but what we're teaching people is a series of structures, games that we're using as our interactive training tools. 
So now, what's a rookie mistake in the world of improv? Like somebody comes in there, what's mm-hmm. something they have in their head that uh, is not correct? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, what we often have to help people through is the notion that they have to save themselves on stage and to save themselves they throw everyone else under the bus Mm -hmm. Uh, and really you survive in an improv scene by supporting the other people around you so i mean you can just see how it maps so naturally to a team environment right instead of having everybody out for themselves everybody trying to get to the next level by themselves you know Mm -hmm. business won't work if it's an episode of survivor right there's a scene in the office with steve carell improv (laughs) where the first thing he does is he kills every other person right (laughs) everyone's dead except him yeah exactly that's that is and 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 then so what happens next right now everybody's dead on stage and you have to give a monologue so when people come to improv with that kind of stand-up mentality that's you know it's all on my shoulders that's when they tend to underperform when we can help them relax and it does take i mean it takes a lot of courage to just be comfortable with a silent room you know um when we can let that happen then we can start embracing the other people on stage just like when we get over our own fears on a team then we can embrace each other and go for group success so now when you start an engagement with a group um can you walk us through what that looks like sure so we have a variety of clients and they have they have a bunch of different needs uh and it can be anything the shape of it it's it's usually instructor-led there's sometimes some blended elements like pre and post uh, we can also sometimes... So there's some work to do before they you get there? It really depends on the skills. So, like, there's a lot of people who try and use improv in training. And one of the things is, is you'll either have a theater company that's trying to do training or a training company that's trying to use improv, right? Mm-hmm. But they're always kind of speaking a foreign language to some degree. Um, so I think really what we've worked hard on in comedy sports, and not just our comedy sports, but the comedy sports is across the country, is trying to meld those two worlds together. So what we're for at the end of the day is what does the client need to accomplish? So the client may need some soft skills for their people, uh, managerial training skills or uh, innovation, um, or, you know, they may need to roll out a features applications and benefits training. So it could be very close to what we do on stage or it could be extremely, you know, far away from what you would come to see in a comedy show. But we're using the same tools to get there. So based on what that need is, then we say, OK, does there need to be pre-assessment? Does there need to be post-evaluation? Do there need to be multiple engagements? Uh, most of the time it's going to have an instructor involved. But we've also done things like um, for a company that had call centers in the Philippines where just naturally the economics of it required us to find ways to do some of the work virtually. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever offer open enrollment classes? Or is it, right now is it all internal for a specific client at a given time? So the, what, what some people call applied improvisation, where we're using improv to achieve a training benefit, is normally uh, a private thing for a client. Right. But what we do, and, and what a lot of clients take advantage of, is we have improv classes, which are how to become an improviser. But our 101, our beginning class, is something that a lot of people use just to get more comfortable being I'll in bet. an unscripted environment, like a boardroom or a, you know, um, uh, a sales situation. Now, you have a little bit of – you're more familiar with this whole thing than I am. You have a little experience with this whole improv stage stuff. I have no experience Has in it, improv. That's, that's not true. That is not <laughs> – I know that is not true. I want you to speak to your experience. I, with... I went through a stand-up comedy class, which okay. is oh, an improv. Okay, but that's a, that's, that's not a improv. Diff- well, look, but still, these, these are. It, it is an improv, although we do teach stand-up classes now at comedy sports because we've started to try and embrace other forms. Mm-hmm. And I will say that where 
our stand-up and improv kind of comes together. It's, you know, it's weird that we're, we're actually doing a show that's going to be a fusion of these two starting Fridays at midnight, actually tomorrow night. So we're going to have stand-ups and improvisers have to create stand-up material on the spot by themselves. Wow. So we're kind of bringing them together. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's right into a sales presentation, right? You know, when you get right. asked that question, you know, uh, a client. I have no idea what I'm going to say next. I can tell you <laughs> really? That. How am I doing? <laughs> what about these piles of paper that say, say this next? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but we do, you know, we have clients who say our people are really good at giving sales presentations until the moment uh, the prospect asks a question and then they fall <laughs> apart, right? Because they've got this script right. and they've said it, you know, don't you agree, doctor, that this drug would blah. And then the doctor says, well, what about this? And they go, well, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, and then they run and hide in their car. Uh, and, and so we teach them how to be comfortable in that moment of not knowing what to say next and to trust their gut. You know, and especially in areas of, you know, pharmaceutical sales or areas where compliance is really a high mark, then there's this opportunity for them to trust their expertise and uh, get a little bit more comfortable speaking extemporaneously without getting themselves into trouble. Now, um, when you're talking about the stand-up, what I found in the stand-up mm -hmm. side was that it it looks like that it it's off the cuff, but in reality, it isn't off the cuff. There's a lot of prepared things, even Beats of silence. Oh yeah, uh, that a stand-up does in order to elicit a response. Where in my mind, at least, I thought improv was more off the cuff. Uh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you had Greg Owen Boger on the show before right. me, right? And so he's big in the presentation skills, right? And and talks about the difference between people who rely on preparation and, and people who are naturally improvisers. And he pegged me out of the gate as an improviser who doesn't like a lot of preparation. <laughs> but there are a lot of stand-ups who are meticulous in their preparation. Right. And you'll see them, I mean, nowadays with social media, it's harder for a stand-up to get away with the old Catskills model of like, I've got the same set for the last year, you know, I tell the same right. opening joke, the same closer, because people have seen it on YouTube. So there's really now a pressure to innovate in the stand-up community. Uh, that's why I would say that Louis C.K. is so well-respected because he's generating a full hour of material every year for a special. I heard that. That's yeah. got to be incredibly demanding. To just He just shakes up his whole routine? Yeah, every, every wow. year. And so over the course of that year, he's going to open mics just like everybody else and getting up testing material. Um, and going through and, 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 you know, again, it's what is it? It's an R&D process, right? He's going, he's pilot testing things, and then he's working it into his routine. Um, but to your point uh, with uh, stand-ups, that works to a point, but then there's crowd work, right? How do, you, how do you interface with that crowd? How do you make that crowd feel like you're talking directly to them? And that's where our stand-ups actually have learned a lot from improv. And I'd say to some degree our improvisers have learned a lot from our stand-ups in the room about that sense of preparation, you know, and that, that kind of mental conditioning that they do. Because a stand-up, man, we have it easy in improv compared to the kind of heckling and, and confrontation that stand-ups can face from their audience. You know, they really have to have a thick skin. Because they're, what, the audience is kind of all pulling for you to win when they know you're doing improv? Is that? Yeah, the, the improv audience is a much different beast, I would say, than the stand-up audience. The stand-up audience are really consumers, right? You know, right. first guy gets up, says his shtick, all right, thank you, next. Next guy gets up. And if you don't laugh, then you start attacking. And improv theater is more of a theater experience, right, where you've got a group of people who know they're about to be a part of something. So, so improv is involving, and that makes mm. them a little behave a little bit more. Right. And they're rooting more for you to succeed. Well, especially in comedy sports, you know, the comedy sports format is two teams. 
of uh, improvisers. And so they're rooting at least for half of us at any given moment, <laughs> right? I mean, so, that's how it so works. What, walk us through comedy sports and what makes that different. Okay, so comedy sports is uh, what we call game-based improv. So it's what you'd see on Whose Lines It Anyway. Right. But you know how Whose Lines It Anyway, it has these three guys, and they're the ones providing the entertainment every every time. Right. This has two teams of three. And so one team gets up, they do a game, then the other team gets up. And then the audience... It does the same game, but with different topics? No, different game. Totally different. In the old days, they actually used to do the same game. So, you you know, we got up, played New Choice. The other guys got up, played New Choice. But what we've learned from the audience is they want to see a variety of structures. So we actually have like 90 different games in our repertoire. Uh -huh. You know, and the captain And each game, it. though, has rules. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so here's another parallel to business is that they do have rules, but oftentimes the audience likes it when we break the rules, but only after we've earned the right to. So if you say, we're going to play this game, we get up on stage, we start to play the game. Uh, if we start out of the gate breaking the rules, then they go, well, these guys don't know what they're doing. Right. But if we start by, by meticulously following the rules and then we start to get crazy, the audience loves that because they see that evolution. Right. So it's that same thing of like starting with the fundamentals, but then improvising. So we're improvising not only with what we say, but with the very game that we're playing. OK, so there's the the training room. There's the classroom where you mm -hmm. can use what you know how to do and the rules in a lot of cases mm -hmm. to help a person be a better salesperson, leader, what have you. Right. Uh, what are some other ways, if any, that everything you can bring to bear might also help a business outside of the training room? Absolutely. Well, look, there's. I usually say there's kind of like three tiers. So the first tier is team building, which is the thing that we got hired for. You know, we've been in business in Chicago for over 25 years and probably like somewhere around the first or second year, someone was saying, hey, could, you know, my guys and I would like to, you know, do this for, you know, just for fun. Right. And so what's happening there is we're getting people out of their comfort zone. They're interacting with each other in a different way. And they're basically just playing around. But we're building bonds of friendship and respect that kind of help the team. So that's kind of where it started. And then we started saying, hey, you know, we can actually help people be more successful individually and started building these soft skills. And that's that second level where we get into uh, all the different kinds of trainings that we offer and use, you know, really traditional, at least for comedy sports, you know, we try and use really traditional instructional design with these games as the learning tools, right? But then there's this third level, which I think we've only scratched the surface of, which is we can use improvisation to change office cultures. We can create a new vocabulary and a new ethos for organizations to use where they're actually improvising their business. And so now, yeah, they have a strategy. They have rules like there is for any game. But their people are now looking in the moment for opportunities to disrupt that strategy and disrupt their market. And they're basically playing improv with their organization. Now, that's initially scary unless you really have a clear set of values. Improv comes with a clear set of values. And I would say, any company that's really going to make the most of this needs to have a clear. So what is that unchanging core? But once you know what that unchanging core is, man, there's a, a lot of opportunity to seize a moment before, you know, if you take several days to go up the ladder and get approval on some idea, I mean, in today's world, somebody else just got it. So we need to teach people how to be fearless and improvise. And that requires a culture behind them. Otherwise, it's you can be fearless and improvise until you mess up. And then you're right. fired. And then you're fired, right? And so now we've taught everybody not only that that's what happens here, but that we lie. And, and 
only take risks if it pays off positively. Right. So, yeah. Okay? <laughs> so you can do whatever you want. As yeah. long as it works, everything's good. Right. That's right. That's why nobody's ever gotten fired for saying no to a new idea. Right. right? You know, we only get fired when we risk. So we have to create cultures that are comfortable with risk. It's safe. There's a safety mm-hmm. element that I have to feel that even if I bomb terribly in yes. my mind, that it's still okay and, I, and you're still, you still love me. Yeah. And so and that's where you're seeing kind of a parallel between what I'm talking about and like Maslow. Right. Because you have the security needs before you get to the self-actualization. Right. So in any business, if someone thinks, well, at any moment I could get out of here, then they're not going to pursue that higher level of mastery. Right. And really become artists in their work. It's not until you achieve that sense of security that then Mm -hmm. they can go out on a limb and do something that no one's ever thought of before. Now, are you finding that – like I would think the startup community would really embrace this because mm-hmm. being iterative is just built into the DNA of startups nowadays. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, we have a comedy sports out in San Jose, you know, right in the tech corridor that does a lot with startups and, and teaching these times, uh, same kinds of skills. You know, we often uh, – it's funny. We often get tapped more by established companies uh, to, to kind of bring them that startup feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, more startups could benefit from, from kind of reaching outside of their core competency right. and, and letting us come in and shake things up. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite part so far? Out of everything you've done in this arena, what have you enjoyed the most, you think? Wow. Uh, in the training realm? Yeah. Uh, I really liked the Philippines trip was great because I got to play improv games with another culture. That was really amazing. Um, in fact, we have a game called Zip Zap Zop where we're just basically passing a focus around. You know, it's one of the icebreaker games that, uh, that Greg Owen Boger loves. He's yeah. a big fan. <laughs> um, but, but so Zip Zap Zop allows us to train uh, things like awareness and uh, what we call commitment and connection, right, which is the fundamental of a, of a team uh, to us. So, but with their, um, with their language, I forget, I think it was Zop, that they, didn't, they, they couldn't pronounce Zop. So I just had to change it to zip zap. So we'd say zip zap, zip zap, zip zap <laughs> around a circle. And it was kind of one of those weird things of like just what does this look like with a group of people who have never played it before, who don't have improv as part of their culture. Right. Um, you know, there is now actually an improv group in Manila. Uh, so it is spreading all over the world. But I'd say, you know, that was really exciting. I'll tell you, a, a kind of completely aside from business, we had a client come in who wanted help, they were a church, and they were a pastoral team at a church, and they wanted help basically creating a more improvised church service. You know, Mm -hmm. they just, they were kind of tired of the way things were, and they wanted to change it up. And so I came in, and I played some improv games with these, you know, these five (laughs) pastors. And, uh, you know, uh, we kind of took a look at their entire service and said, you know, how can we, how can we inject more meaning into this by making it less safe? quote unquote, you know? And so being an improviser myself, I love, uh, I love doing things that I've never done before. So when I get to work with a group of people I've never worked with before, that to me is awesome. Now, when in your day, are you more fired up about going and putting on your business hat or the (laughs) the stage hat? Uh, I'll tell you that for uh, the last couple of years, I wasn't playing. I was really focused on the business and on this learning and development side of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have several different kind of tentacles, right? We have this huge group and event business where we're bringing in um, 
school groups, you know, who are coming to the city for a band trip or a choir trip or something like that. So, you know, we have our own corporate services where we're doing entertainment at corporate events or we're doing events marketing. And then we have this training piece. We have our school and then we have all of our shows. So we have our hands in a lot of pies and, mm-hmm. and we and we have a bar. You know, so I can on any given day be working on a design for a learning experience or can be talking about, you know, what are the cogs on this craft beer that we just got in? You know what I mean? Like it's and and that to me is fun to be able to just right. do with other stuff. But I will say that over the last three months, I've gotten back on stage or as we say at Comics Sports on the field uh, and have been playing. And it's really just brought it all back to me of like why I got into this. So mm-hmm. I, I would say now it's it's a uh, it's just as much fun to get on stage and and make people laugh as it is to get into a training environment and give people a new perspective. Now, comedy sports, they're all over the place? Yeah, we have 24 locations now. We have they're th- uh, throughout the United States in almost every major city in the United States. They're based here, though. Um, they're based in Milwaukee. Oh. Uh, and when I say based, I mean that's where it started. We're all individually, uh, independently owned businesses. We basically, but we we function together as an improv team. We share best practices. We uh, support each other. Um, we share ownership of this kind of national trade association that we use to, um, you know, regulate our affairs. And and we're actually on June eighteenth. Um, we're going to reveal our new branding campaign, and in that, we're actually going to be trying to make this group of 24 people who have been operating so independently more of a creative network. So we'll be able to you know, develop a solution in Chicago that we can then scale for a Fortune 500 company across all of their locations without ever charging them for a plane ticket. I mean, you think about – Everything that's talked about instructor-led training being cost prohibitive mm-hmm. is usually comes down to like travel and lodging, right? Right, right. sure. So now we're going to have this way where we can deploy improvisers to do soft skills training. And really, if you're doing soft skills training, you want to do it live, right? We're teaching people how to be more human. That's, that's something you need to do in the room. Um, we're going to be able to deploy that across the country, and we have locations in um, Manchester, England, and in Berlin. So we can actually deploy some of those solutions overseas. And if you do have locations in Asia, you know it's a lot easier to get from Europe to Asia sometimes than than from the United States. So you know there's a couple different options there. Is it a franchise or each one's individual? It's How's not the... a franchise. You know, it's kind of like you know if you think of in the theater world, multiple theaters can put on a Christmas Carol every year. Right. So we're basically Basically like that, except our show is an open run, and we talk to each other a lot about like, what are you doing that works? What are you doing that works? Mm-hmm. So we're collaborating, but we're not. There's not that kind of franchise, um, you know that that kind of everybody has to march the same way. You know, right. That's what we. So really, you have a license to do whatever you'd like, right? Within kind of this philosophical umbrella. Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it because then we're really create that space for improvisation in every comedy sports. Right. So just like if you, you know, kids... It would be day- incongruent. It most certainly <laughs> would. Like if you had you to say, do this... Here's the this. handbook. On yeah. Tuesdays, we do this. <laughs> Don't be funny after 10 p.m. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll say one of the really cool things and, and kind of my my vision for comedy sports is just has has kids and their dads go every year to go to every major baseball stadium, you know, Every year, people could go to every comedy sports, and they could laugh all the way around and also see all the other individual shows that every comedy sports is doing because we all do our own kind of separate shows that we just innovate and create locally. Right. So uh, 
the next time we get together. Because <laughs> I have a whole set of questions to ask you about. Well, I guess I, it didn't dawn on me when we were first talking uh, about other cultures. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know what, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to ask that question. Let's, right let's do it. Just speak to that a little bit about the how well does all this work with other cultures? And are mm-hmm. there some cultures where it doesn't work all that great or so far you're having marvelous experience? Yeah, because I would think Asia would I be thought, a challenge. Yeah, I would have thought with the, the whole honor thing and the, and the saving face. And right. The, am I, am I, <laughs> am I coming across very bigoted? I don't mean to be. My whole, frame of reference, well, my whole frame of reference is like the two movies I've seen where honor, you know. Like, Karate Kid 2? What would you see? Okay. Look. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sheltered guy with a very limited worldview. So help me out. Dad. Sure. How does this work over there on that side of the park? I'll build the bridge from Empire of the Sun to <laughs> yeah, uh, how I currently train. Please bail him out. Or, or we're well, going to have to be doing please. a lot of editing. Yeah. Yeah, really. So I'll tell you this. I would say that improv actually is a real bridge to cultural awareness. And it certainly was a bridge to mine. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about a time we actually um, uh, could have done something better. So we were... Uh, as often happens, subcontracting through a subcontractor. So there was a little bit of whisper down the lane between us and the end client, which happens in learning development sometimes. And the message that we were getting is that the places in the Philippines we were going was, oh, they don't, you know, they barely have electricity, they don't have television, and you're there to talk to them about telecom. They're not going to know what you're talking about. You're going to have to start at ground zero. And so these are the messages that we were getting. So we go over there, and of course that means that that's what I designed, right? So we get, we get over there, and they have Sky Cable. So they were watching Game of Thrones, which I had never seen. And so they were teaching <laughs> me things about the product I was supposed to teach them. Um, and so it really kind of helped me realize that I really just kind of bought hook, line, and sinker that, oh, yeah, well, we're Americans. We'd be more advanced. And so I had to learn. And then, of course, then I had to rewrite a lot of training material on <laughs> one night in Makati. He was imp- improvising. Yeah, right. yeah there's there a go. lot of that. So – but I think to your to your larger point is is how do these games help us when we're working with a different culture? And I would say some of the games that we have uh, are nonverbal, and so that mm-hmm. helps if there is a language barrier. Um, but the other thing is, so sometimes, especially when I'm working with executive teams, you know, now for these global companies, executive teams come from all over the place, and so you're dealing with someone from Germany, which has extremely high power distance, you know, where you know people still click their heels and talking to each other, and there's this kind of a, a, a natural distance that is kept between people to someone from Brazil where the power distance is a lot lower and people have a lot less boundaries. And now you're negotiating their interaction in, a, in an environment that is already different. It so, sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> as long as everybody's taken care of. Yeah, that's amazing. We don't want anybody to feel weird at the end of it. Um, but I would say the games really can speak to different environments. And I also tell you that there is a huge improv movement in um, South America. A guy named Augusto Boal wrote a lot about me. He was the guy who wrote Theater of the Oppressed. And so he uses improv for social justice. And so, you know, they're doing all their work in either uh, in Portuguese, I believe. So, you know, you, you, you've got these groups um, here in Chicago. The Chicago Improv Festival every year brings in groups from all over the world, you know, Tel Aviv and uh, Manila and New Zealand. And they're all and they play together. Uh, we do a thing at Comedy Store. It's called One World, One Stage with uh, the Chicago Improv Festival where we have these people from all over the world and they're performing with each other. And so you you know, talk about learning in the moment. These guys have to all put on a mm. show together and some of them are from countries that have much different views or even, you know, they may be in conflict at the time, but they all manage to get out and come do improv together. So, yeah, there's some natural uh, tie-ins that I think can build 
um, you know, a, a better world, frankly. Now, before you go, I want to... I want you to give some advice to somebody in an organization that maybe was thinking about doing this. Is there anything that you can give them, uh, like a, that they can test the waters mm -mm. internally, like maybe uh, one of the games or one of the activities that they can kind of play amongst themselves to see if this is uh, something yeah. they're worth doing? Well, this is going to seem really self-serving, but they, they should, they should call us. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's funny. You know, a lot of times people say, well, can can we just, you know, buy your training shell? Can I just buy a shell? book? Yeah. Yeah. Can I, just... I buy a book? And there's now, like, when I started, there was a couple books on improv. Right. Now there's, like, 50 books on improv and using improv in business. And the bottom line is an improviser, like an improviser who's gotten to comedy sports, has been improvising probably between four and six nights a week for, like, five years. So, like, they're an artist. This is in their bones. Right. So, you know, what I say is is trying to just pick up a book and try something with your team is a recipe for disaster. It also kind of changes your relationship to your team. It's a lot better to bring in somebody from the outside who can mm -hmm. do this with everybody, and then you can have the experience with your team. You know, a lot of times we have managers say, well, I'll be sitting in the back of the room while you do this. That's the worst thing. And we tell them, you know, we've now gotten to a point where we don't need the money so bad that we say, okay. Uh, instead, we say, you know, that's not going to make for a good experience because now your people are going to feel like basically you're watching and laughing at them do something silly. So either you, you play with or you with them or yeah. not. Yeah. And that teaches leading from you. the front. I mean, that is who you need to be as a leader with your team. And, and we can then facilitate that experience. So this is a don't try this at home without a professional. <laughs> well, it is try this at home, but it's call us and let us come into your home. <laughs> you need a professional. Okay. Seek professional help. We really are going to have a next time because i got a hundred more questions. Good. But in the meantime, where can our listeners go to learn more? ComedySportsChicago.com. That's Comedy Sports with a Z, Chicago.com. And we have a section of our website called Creative Services where they can learn about all the stuff that we do for business. Well, Matt, this has been a blast, man. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you very much. In. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our guest today, Matt Elwell, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.